electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just entertain, but that kid and do a lot of teaching here. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, I know. I know there have been worse markets. I mean, we even rallied near the end of the session today. Dow only gaining nine points. As we inching up 0.01%. NASDAQ only sinking 0.3%. But that does not tell today's story at all. It is tough to enjoy the bounce because anyone who trusted a rebound has ended up being mauled by one of the most vicious bears I've seen. I mean, that's how you get seven straight weeks of losses. You're never going back to 2001 days before we find something this terrible. Now, at some point, you'd think the sellers would say enough already, right? But that whole process can take a deceptively long time. This is not my first bear market. However, this is my first bear market where many companies are doing incredibly well and corporate and consumer balance sheets are in truly great shape. And it is that brutal disconnect, the comeuppance from all the mindless reality that we had going into the top list of ever that makes it so difficult to believe how bad the market is. And that's why I say, let's just get this over with. The Fed needs to raise interest rates rapidly, shock the system, and preserve the value of future earnings streams by tamping down inflation. And you know what the worst of it is? I can tell you that there will be an exquisite moment when the Fed acts decisively and the sellers finally say, enough already, I've sold everything that needs to be sold, and I need you to be in the market when that happens. Until then, what happens in a real bear market like this one is that every time you start to suspect that the selling might be up, might be over, as you did say at 10 o'clock this morning, you end up getting lured into the bear cave, torn to pieces, and at the end of the day, the bear throws you out. So will next week be just one more morning, or does today's bounce represent the start of a real reprieve? That is the theme of tonight's show. Before we get to the game panel, let me make it plain. There can be no sustainable rally until inflation, the right paw of the bear, is ripped off by a series of large, aggressive rate hikes, whatever it takes, that ideally stops short of creating recession. Until then, the odds of a real reversal of this horrendous action are slim. With it, we could mount a significant recovery, if either Russia withdraws or China opens up. You only need even one of those. And with that Ursine preamble, let's take a look at what is available and we're going to make some decisions about next week. On Monday evening, we hear from Zoom Video, the ultimate pandemic stock 
that signaled that the bear market was coming when it collapsed last year. Eric Yuan, the sensational gentleman who pioneered Zoom, must by this time feel that the public created a monster when it took its shares to 588 in October of 2020, because it's truly been all downhill ever since. What happened here? Zoom, once a pioneer in digital communications, has now become the 8-track or Betamax of the current era, failing to develop anything beyond that can knock out competitors like Cisco WebEx or Microsoft Teams, the latter being really dominant. Until Zoom comes up with something game-changing where they simply acquire another company to augment their business, the stock will be DNR, which means, in hospital terms, do not resuscitate. Tuesday, prepare for some post-traumatic stress because we've got more retailers. They shoot retailers, don't they? Best Buy starts the morning with what everyone expects will be a weaker quarter because we're now lapping last year's stimulus payments. This market is too grim to tempt fate, but Best Buy now trades seven times earnings. It's a growth stock. That's just crazy low, which is not like crazy love. And it also yields 5%. Normally, I'd say this is a no-brainer, but anybody who buys anything of late now feels pretty brainless. You want a winner? May I suggest you head into the zone? AutoZone. This auto parts chain buys back its own stock faster than the bear can bite it. With new car prices massively inflated by the usual suspects, supply chains, Omicron, semiconductors, SOS, AutoZone crushes it. Tuesday night is going to be just, it's going to be the, it, it, it really will crystallize all the things I'm talking about because Toll Brothers reports. And it's a good example. Toll Brothers is a fantastic home builder that's delivered a magnificent set of numbers last quarter. Yet since then, what's has happened? Its stock has shed a fifth of its value, continuing to go lower. It seems even cheaper than Best Buy, selling for less than five times earnings. But that's recession fears talking. Most skeptics don't believe that Toll can do those numbers. They think the earnings are going to be cut in half in the future, if not more. All right, now, how about this? Wednesday's NVIDIA. Core holding of my Chapel Trust, which you can follow by joining the CBC Investing Club, and I urge you to do so. The action ahead of this quarter has been horrendous, creating the impression that NVIDIA is going, uh, just going to report a huge... At one point, it was down 14 bucks. I was talking to Jeff Marks, my partner. I said, how bad do people think it's going to be? I actually think the print will be a good point. I just don't know if anyone will care anymore. Next up, what did Williams-Sonoma do to, that caused its stock to get cut in half since November? Here's what's incredible. Nothing. This thing trades at seven times earnings. Now, again, pretty insane given the value that's been created here. And I bet CEO Laura Albert's got to be screaming mad. I bet she delivers quarter after quarter after quarter and this one continuing and yet still sees the stock shrivel under the prospect of recession and the end of the nationwide home office build out. The consumer's traveling now. That's only good for you. Sonoma's traveler needs a home office at the next place you're staying at. I think she's good. I think the stock cut in half is too much. Thursday morning starts with Macy's. Here we go again. Five times earnings. Means that professionals think that they're going to miss the earnings by a mile. Not unlike what the trouble Coles did yesterday. I genuinely believe that things are not falling off a cliff at Macy's. Companies fixed its balance sheet so the fall should be cushioned. But if you listen to what Target had, then what they didn't sell, what what didn't work, Macy's is filled with what didn't sell. Today, Ross Stores reported a number, well, last night, uh, that was so off the mark that management started their call by saying how disappointed they were in themselves, and then proceeded to blame Ukraine, which made me disappointed in them. It's doppelganger Burlington Stores reports next Thursday, and it's already been punished by, by association. Given the TJX and other off-price chain did just fine, I think Burlington might be a buy. Oh, and then the lights went out, but that's okay. You can see better than ever. It's amazing how Costco, the stock, has turned into a huge underperformer while Costco, the company, couldn't be doing better. But you invest in these stocks these days, not the company. And while I'd like to think that earnings matter, we know this sector is so hated that anything short of a monster special dividend and buyback might not be enough to pop up the stock. (sighs) 
Charitable Trust owns it. Core holding, not going away. Friday, we have a fitting coda for this year when the incredible shrinking stock of cannabis growth gets another chance to tell its fading cannabis story. If this stock is going to go anywhere near the price where it traded when Constellation Brands bought a huge chunk of the business, Canopy needs national legislation promoting use of marijuana, not just flat-out legalization, but subsidies, not unlike what we needed when the lights went out. They need a cannabis conservation corp. Seems unlikely. I'm being charitable here by sparing some companies that are in real trouble. For example, I could have devoted some time to Dollar Tree, a company I really like. But they need China to send us some huddled masses of 50-cent merchandise that's yearning to be free. I didn't mention Gap, 5% yield, tempting but orderly dangerous, bottom line. Now that we're down nearly 20% from the high and traded there intraday, we can always say that the highs were probably inflated and not really worth considering. If we want the market to stage a meaningful comeback, we need China to reopen, Russia to withdraw from Ukraine, and the Fed to curb stomp inflation with a 100 basis point rate hike. Unfortunately, only one of those three is within America's control. And in Indiana, and... Jim, I Man. feel like a grateful club member. So good to hear your voice. Oh, thank you. I'm going to be working all weekend on the club. All weekend. What's oh going on? Oh, my goodness. I know you do. So as a, as a club member, I'm about 11% in the energy stocks uh, in a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Am I, but I saw your off-the-chart segment. Am I too late or greedy or otherwise to buy some deep-in-the-money calls on Devin's? Well, remember, deep in my call, I mean, I want you to get that dividend, and the call owners don't get the dividend. I will tell you this, so I think Devin's going higher, and that's my, and the best I can do is, other than thank you for being in the club, which is sensational, is to say that Devin's been a big win for us, and I think it's going to continue to do so. Why don't we go to Richie in Pennsylvania, please? Richie. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Richie. We're going to check in with you. First, I commend you. Powell needs to raise the rates right off the bat. Yes, he does. No more fool around. The average person cannot afford what's happening at the supermarket. He's got to go I, I to the supermarket. Person, and I agree with you. My question is, American Express, I've been getting offers for a year, 0% for a year. How are you making any money? Okay, American Express, actually, the car business has been really fabulous for them. And I think the stocks are buy because people are traveling again. Uh, and I got to tell you, Steve Squarey, if you go back and, and watch our Steve Squarey interviews, you'll see that it's the card itself that's making them a huge amount of money. And that's why I've been recommending the stock, but nobody seems to care. But thank you, Richie. And I want you to have a good weekend. All right, Nella. If we want the market to stage a meaningful comeback, and by the way, if you stick with us, you will hear how technically it could happen. We need China to reopen, Russia withdraw from Ukraine, and most important, the Fed to curb stop inflation. No more fool around. 100 basis point rate hike shot to the system. Unfortunately, one of those three is within America's control. Well, man, money tonight. S&P briefly fell into bear market territory today. Time to get defensive with Dominion Energy or is it too late? Talking to the CEO. Then I was looking forward to the retail reports this week. That was wrong. I'm taking a look at what happened. It's kind of a, let's just say, an autopsy. And after weeks of pain, could a bottom be in sight? Larry Williams says it could, and I think it's pretty compelling. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. 
With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. At the end of what we know is a brutal week, except for the last 15 minutes, we're in full defense mode here. Not defense necessarily like Raytheon, defense like utilities. At times like this, you want to camp out in some classic recession-proof names. Names, the ones that we talk about all the time, they're steady growers, the utilities. They do just fine and slow down, and they tend to have bountiful dividends. Take Dominion Energy, the big East Coast utility that's got some regulated electric business along with a natural gas pipeline network, a liquefied natural gas export terminal in Maryland, and a growing portfolio of renewable power projects. You get all of this for just 20 times earnings. I know it sounds high, but not, not when you get safety because it's got a three and a quarter percent yield that is very safe. And look, there's a reason why Dominion's up 5% for the year while the SP 500 is down 18% for the same period. Don't take it from me, though. Let's check in with Bob Blue. He's the chair of NCE of Dominion Energy. You have a better sense of where his company said, Mr. Blue, welcome to Mad Money. Jim, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. But, but before we get started, I just want to just tell us about your day today and nuclear power, because we are huge fans on a clean energy that works, that may be about to have a resuscitation in the United States. Yeah, I think you're right, Jim. Uh, we have uh, operating plants in Virginia and South Carolina, but today, Uh, I was in Connecticut. The Secretary of Energy, uh, Jennifer Granholm, was there uh, to talk about the value of nuclear to carbon-free, reliable electric grid. And for us, those terms are important. We we want to provide reliable electricity to our customers. That's what they care about the most. And the great thing about nuclear is, in addition to being carbon-free, it's a workhorse. Those plants run 90, 95 percent of the time, and we can count on them to provide electricity on days like today where uh, it's incredibly hot, and it's going to be that way all weekend, as you know. Now, these uh, these small modular machines, 
these incredible little machines that they're doing in Canada and Poland. Can we build them here? I think the answer is probably yes. Uh, we can build them here. And certainly our company is looking at that opportunity. You're talking about these advanced small modular reactors. Yes. It's not kind of the big ones like we operate today. Smaller scale, uh, as the name uh, suggests, modular construction uh, reduces the construction risk, uh, allows for some uh, scale uh, with that kind of manufacturing. We think there are real opportunities for that. That's definitely something that our company is looking at. And if, uh, if it pencils out for our customers, uh, we think it could be a real reliable, clean way to provide electricity. We know that Secretary uh, uh, Jennifer Graham will have to get some help because it's too costly right now, but it would be a game changer for us. Meanwhile, may I just say, uh, as we start to talk about Dominion, that I was, you know, a huge fan of the late Tom Farrell, President, just a, a great man. And been, was we, on the we show. All yeah, we, we all were, uh, Jim. It was a tragedy uh, that he passed away, a tragedy, obviously, for his family uh, he was very close to, but for his Dominion family as well. We just announced uh, earlier this week that we're naming our downtown corporate headquarters in his honor, which is very unusual at our company, but absolutely something that he deserved and that our employees support a great deal because of the kind of leader he was for our company and our industry. In the industry, definitely. He explained to me, he was the first one explaining to me liquefied natural gas and that how he was going to turn Cove Point into, into something that was actually good. I was very skeptical. He did it. And then he also explained how you can have the lowest cost, cleanest power, and it will bring amazing companies, including these great West Coast tech companies to your area. Does that continue to happen, sir, after the, un the unfortunate passing of Mr. Farrell? Yeah, uh, Jim, it definitely will continue to happen. And he taught me uh, more things than I can uh, possibly recount to you. Uh, but we still see extremely strong data center growth at our company. Uh, it's by far the fastest, parting, uh, uh, fastest growing part of our electric load. We expect it to continue for quite some time. So we're going to need new sources of generation. And those companies are asking for cleaner sources. We're happy to provide it. We think we can do it in a cost-effective manner. Now, you have a thing called the Carbon Right Program that made me think, how come my utilities don't have that? Tell us about that, because I think there's a lot of people who would like to be a part of it. Absolutely. It's an opportunity for our uh, natural gas customers to completely offset uh, their carbon footprint by, for uh, $5 a month by purchasing offsets. The natural gas that they use at home, the, the carbon uh, output of that is completely offset. It's very effective, cost effective for customers. We think it's an opportunity for customers who want to do that to reduce their carbon footprint. And it's one of a host of programs that we have to help uh, our customers reduce their energy consumption, uh, make it cleaner, while we're also making our generating fleet cleaner. Now, it's not fair necessarily to inject you into a geopolitical debate, but is it not incredible that if you and your Dominion Energy plan, including nuclear, including carbon right, were Germany's plan, we would not be, the world would not be in the fix that it is in right now. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to jump in a geopolitical uh, debate. I think uh, I'll leave that to others who are a lot smarter than I am. We're very focused on making sure that we can continue to provide reliable, affordable service to our customers that's increasingly sustainable. That's what we want us. That's what they want us to do. Uh, we expect to be able to do that. But you them. would admit that your mosaic of power is cleaner 
than others. And therefore, you didn't need to decommission nuke. You didn't need to be able to make it so that you, you couldn't offset nat- natural gas that happens to be produced in a foreign country. What I'm saying is, is that you guys do your darn best and that sometimes that's all you can do. And if you got ahead of it, you might have an unreliable grid. Yeah, uh, no question about that. And uh, the nuclear contribution to our clean energy portfolio is substantial, as you know. So if we tried in this country, uh, let alone at our company, uh, to stop operating our nuclear power plants, there is simply no way we could achieve decarbonization goals. You know, we've got a goal to be net zero by 2050. Mm-hmm. We need to continue to operate the, the nuclear plants that we've got. We do it uh, safely. We do it reliably and we do it very cost effectively for our customers. Well, that's one of the reasons why when Mr. Farrell was alive, we always said to people constantly, what should we own? And I always said, dominion, dominion, dominion. And I'm so glad that Mr. Bob Blue's on the show because it sounds like I can continue to say dominion, dominion, dominion. Thank you, sir, for coming on Mad Money. Thank you. Keep saying it, Jim. We love to hear it. I will. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, Walmart and Target may have issued a one-two punch to the brick-and-mortar earnings parade. But is there hope elsewhere on the retail roster? Find out next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Can you believe I was actually looking forward to this week? Well, earnings season has been, let's say, pretty dispiriting. I hope that when we started hearing from the real pros, the retailers, we might get a nice reprieve. This is why I always tell you that hope should not be part of the equation. Because instead of a reprieve, the retailers gave us a death sentence. On Tuesday and Wednesday, we, we heard from Walmart, Home Depot, Target, and Lowe's. You know, only Home Depot was good. That's where the professionals shop. Lowe's was okay. I actually felt that do-it-yourselfers are going to catch up uh, beginning this weekend. Walmart and Target were frankly too horrific for words. Can't even use them for this show. These big box chains are being eaten alive by inflation and changing consumer preferences. People are no longer spending like we're in the pandemic. They're spending like we're back to normal, and they're traveling. But neither Target nor Walmart saw it coming, and it happened so quickly, they ended up with a lot of useless inventory that will drag down their earnings for months. And they had to pay up for that inventory because of all the inflation in the system. It's why I've been adamant that J-PAL has to move and move quickly and much harder than people think. And, of course, the pin action from two of the largest retailers in America just collapsing was enough to make you tear your hair out. We saw double-digit declines in a host of retailers on Wednesday on absolutely no news other than the fact that Target, which we liked so much, Brian Cornell, such a pro, missed so badly. You didn't feel any comfort in this group because that company did so poorly. 
But the big four aren't the only retailers that reported this week. Surprisingly, some of the smaller players actually did pretty well, and we want to highlight them. So tonight, we're going to take a closer look at the rest of retail. The other guys away from the horror stories that are Walmart and Target, because I don't think they were talked about enough. We're going to take them in chronological order. On Wednesday, we heard from TJX and Bath & Body Works. Now, TJX is the parent of TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods. It's called an off-price retailer. It buys excess inventory from major stores for next to nothing because they just want to clear their inventory out and then sells it to you with a nice little markup. While TJX's results were mixed, a revenue missed coupled with an earnings beat, the guidance for the current quarter was decent. The full-year forecast was pretty encouraging. But if you want to know why TJX's stock managed to rally on a hideous day for retail, it's not because of the quarter they reported. It's because this company preys on the weakness of other retailers. It's like a vulture. For several quarters, they couldn't get their hands on much merchandise because nobody had excess inventory. Remember, it had not been promotional until now. But with this glut, when you see Walmart and Target struggling like this, you know TJX won't have a problem getting good product. On top of that, they also committed to a major buyback. Very good, even as the stock did get clipped for three and a half points today. At $57.84, only $4 from its low, down 23% uh, 23 for the year. This is the buy of the season, okay? This one. Of course, TJX is the exception. The rule is more like Bath & Body Works, which surprised me. This was one of the best concepts in retail, but it's been clobbered in recent months because it's widely seen as a pandemic play. And it looks like the sellers were right. While Bath & Body Works put up a decent set of results for the quarter, they also slashed their full-year earnings forecast, which is the last thing you ever want to see. And the reason they cut the forecast is because they're investing heavily in technology and the customer loyalty program in order to bolster their long-term growth. But in this environment, nobody cares about long-term. I mean, the reasons for a guy down, no one cared. It didn't matter. So the stock got crushed. While we were still looking at our wounds from Wednesday's bloodbath, we got earnings from uh, yesterday from BJ's Wholesale. Kohl's, and Children's Place. Now, BG is an East Coast warehouse club operator offering bulk discounts on groceries. It's a lot like Costco. And when they report, I shouldn't say that. Costco's a better operator, but it is the same format, okay? The results were excellent, with same-store sales up 14.4%, and the earnings coming in substantially better than expected. BJ's also reiterated its full-year earnings forecast, although they gave you less detail about how they'd make that number happen. Still, nobody quibbled because the stock was down double digits the day before, and the rest of the industry's falling apart, and that's how BJ's stock jumped 7% yesterday. As for Kohl's, oh boy, this one's tricky. Now, they fielded multiple takeover offers. There's an activist involved, John Dusky. You might have seen him on Sarah's show earlier. You had a lot of going on in the quarter. In terms of the results, though, suboptimal. Same store sales down 5%. You also was expecting them to be up, not to mention a huge earnings miss. On top of that, Kohl's cut its full-year forecast. Only Sephora seems to be doing well. Yet the stock actually managed to rally yesterday, in part because it was already down 11% the day before, but also because of the possibility of a takeover. Beyond that, management said they've seen improved trends in May, especially in spring seasonal categories. That's very hopeful. And they predict the year could continue to get better as they roll out more Sephora store within the store locations. Remember, they got that from Penny. That was such a smart move. Kohl's also reiterated its prior $1 billion buyback plan, including a $500 million accelerator repurchase program in the second quarter. They should call me. Those programs are not how you do it. OK, I used to be involved in these kinds of programs, and I know better. So just, well, I'm a business. I'm a TV business guy now. But anyone who's using accelerated revenue, that's just something brokers talk you into. That's because they didn't want to spend the dirty work really getting the right price for you. So stop it already. Still, the most important thing here is the possible sale of the company, something the board has resisted. After that quarter, I can't see how they'd be able to get as much. Maybe that's why the stock plunged 13% today. You know what? I usually don't say this, but this one's just become too hard to call. It's just too much of a battleground, and you know I don't like battlegrounds. 
Next up is Children's Place, this tiny uh, kid place, a kid-focused chain. Jane Elfers runs it. She's terrific. Saw its stock soar, even though I thought the results were not good. Somehow the stock did bounce 10% yesterday after opening lower, maybe because people thought it was down too much during the retail meltdown on Wednesday. But the buyers were clearly wrong as the stock correctly came back down today, falling more than 4%. Again, too much of a battleground, even though I think Ms. Elfers does a good job. Now, after the close yesterday, we heard from the worst, and that's Ross Stores. It's another off-price play like TGX. People thought it would act like TGX. But unlike TGX, Ross Stores is in terrible, terrible, terrible condition here. Central shares were down 7%. Wall Street was looking for down 2.7%. Weaker than expected earnings. Horrific guidance. Now, previously, management thought they could generate flat-up 3% same-store sales for the full year. Now they're talking about down 2 to 4%. Slash earnings forecast. A forecast they only issued two and a half months ago. I remember I took Walmart to test for doing the same thing. Worst of all, management didn't give us much detail. What's really going wrong here? Nor did they offer a clear vision on how they'll turn things around. I thought that was, I, I thought that was ill-advised. They were pretty, bra- pretty vague on the conference call. They cited Ukraine woes uh, like they were based in Eastern Europe or something. Very strange. Not encouraging. That's why Ross Tor saw its stock plummet 22% today. The conference call was, frankly, incoherent. Ouch. The weakness took down the whole off-price edifice again, even though we just got a much better set of numbers from TJX. We don't have a lot of memory in this place. Now, finally, the, the, the wildest one of all. Nice upside surprise from Foot Locker, of all things. I was worried about this one because Nike's a major supplier, and those guys have made no secret wanting to cut out the shoe store middleman because they make so much money direct to consumer. Plus, when Foot Locker reported in late February, they gave us a bleak forecast. In retrospect, they were right to lower the bar back then. This morning, Foot Locker delivered a solidly better than expected quarter, told us their full-year results would be toward the upper end of their previously issued ugly forecast. Clearly, these guys do have a better hand on the current retail landscape than most other operators. Now, I don't love Foot Locker or the concept, frankly. But right now, this is one of the few retailers that put up uh, better than feared numbers. Single-digit price to earnings multiple. Dividend yield north of 5%. No wonder Foot Locker is a rare retail stock that's higher today than it was last Friday. Let me give you the bottom line. While retail is truly awful right now, it's not uniformly awful. Most stores may be struggling, but you've got a few that are doing quite well. And I'm telling you, the TGX is definitely a buy. BJ's I'm okay on. Foot Locker is all right for a trade. BJ's gives me some hope, but hope shouldn't be part of the equation, for Costco next Thursday. Now, Jeff Marks, you know, my partner with uh, who runs the Chapel Trust, he and I are inclined to, we were inclined to buy more Costco today because it's, it's done much worse than the market. We decided to hold off. Why? Because the market's just too fickle, too fickle to make a stand. Jim in Florida, Jim. Jim? Do we Jimmy have Jim? Jill. Hey, Jim, how are this you? Is, I'm wonderful. This is Jim from uh, Le Chateau in Naples, Florida. Excellent. I want to thank you for all your help and wisdom throughout the 19 years I've watched you. Wow. Thank my, you. My question is on Weber Grill, uh, a, a, an, I mean, a, a staple company in the United States with the stock down more than 46% year to date. Do you think this might be a good entry point for me? I'm so glad you asked me about Weber. Last week, we had a bunch of people over. We were grilling. And I was saying they're all interested in the stock market. And I was talking about how, frankly, I cannot believe how this stock has just fallen apart. It's a real company. And it can make money. And I think at this price, it's six bucks. It's a buy. But, sir, I have no catalyst. I don't know what gets it back to 10. All I know is that at six bucks, I do not think you can get hurt. At this price on Weber, but you may have to just wait. It won't go up overnight. While retail's truly off right now, and some of it's just a battleground, it's not uniformly awful. TJX is a buy here. BJ's pullback, I like it. Foot Locker's a trade. Much more man money hit. 
We've endured so much pain these last few weeks, so could maybe a reprieve be in sight? I'm digging into the technicals to see what the future could hold. You want to see this. I think it's really, really positive. Then I'm starting to think the volatility in the market has a lot less to do with the tenure. I'll reveal what I think is really behind the Cecil action. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. At the end of an ugly day, the term real positive near the close. Give me some reprieve after another terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week where we hit bear market levels. That means we were down 20% intraday. I realize this market's not giving you many reasons to feel good about owning stocks. It's hard to believe in spouts, right? That last half hour seemed funny. We've seen one major retailer for another implode, dragged down by skyrocketing inflation, a huge change in consumer behavior, the great vibe shift from pandemic-era spending habits to what looks like post-pandemic spending habits, including traveling, something that finally occurred in the first quarter. Nearly all the major players were caught off guard. The good ones, I mean, Walmart's so good. Target, they blew up. Ross Stores, Coles. I mean, don't, don't get me started. But, and this is a very big one. When the market comes down so far so fast, the pain eventually ends. And when it does, then you get that snapback rally that you wish were a part of. The snapback rally can be just as rapid as the decline, like we saw near the close today. Not many people saw the bounce coming. Right now, this market makes you feel like the world is ending, though. The thing is, it never feels good at the bottom. It always feels awful. The pain doesn't stop until the bulls abandon all hope, at which point everybody who is going to sell has finished selling. By the way, that's the way it felt like at 3.30 today. And that's when stocks stopped going down. Of course, anyone who tried to call bottom in the last couple of weeks is just second-guessing themselves. But there's a more rigorous way to approach the process, one that takes your feelings out of the equation. That's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Larry Williams. It's a special Friday edition of Larry. He's a legendary technician and market historian who's been in this business since I was a kid. Larry's written more than a dozen books. He's created a host of his own proprietary indicators. We will use one of them tonight. All of which you can find on his website, IReallyTrade.com. And he's sticking by his projection that we are at an inflection point. More important, he's got an incredible track record. He's going back for decades. And I think he's been the most reliable technician out there ever since COVID hit. Remember, in the spring of 2020, when everyone was in that chicken little mode, acting like the sky was about to fall, Williams called the bottom. He absolutely nailed it. I acknowledge this is a bad moment for the stock market and the broader economy. But I don't think it's April 2020 bad. And by the way, it's, it, you have to go back to 2001 to find a long streak as this negativity. That in itself is interesting, right? 22 years is a long time. And right now... We could say 21 years, but when you look at the calendar, you'll see that it was this. It's been two decades since we've had this kind of discouraging activity. And Williams, believe it or not, is seeing some encouraging signs within the discouraging signs we all know about. I want you to first look at this chart of the S&P 500 futures. This, this is very revealing. And this is the futures in, in black and the advanced, what's known as the advanced decline or AD line in blue. This is what's known as a cumulative indicator that measures the number of stocks that are actually going up on a daily basis versus the number that are going down. The advanced decline line is important because it gives you a sense of the market's breadth, the span of what's really working, not just 30 stocks in an average. William sees it as a terrific way to get a sense of the stock market's internal strength or weakness. And right now, you can see that while the S&P spent the last week getting smashed in oblivion, the advanced decline line has been holding up much better. In fact, it steadily worked its way higher. Did you know that? This is what's known as a classic bullish divergence. When the index goes one way and an important indicator goes in the opposite direction, according to Williams, this action advanced decline line is incredibly positive for the market. It tells you that from the perspective of breath, the worst of this decline may be 
behind us. When I saw this, I have to tell you, I told a dozen people about this. No one believed me. No one believed me that this is happening right here, right now. Now, check this one out. We're going to zoom out. This is the daily chart of the S&P futures, okay, paired with another crucial indicator. This is called the On Balance Volume Index, and that's in purple. This is another cumulative indicator, and it measures volume flow, adding the volume on up days, then subtracting the volume on down days to give you a sense of where the big institutional money managers are buying or selling. We care about this because volume is like a polygraph test for technicians. High volume moves are telling the truth. Low volume, often misleading. Williams points out, that based on the on-balance volume action, you can see that volume's already starting to dry up on the sell side, meaning the sellers are not being aggressive. They, as a matter of fact, selling is dwindling. You saw that in the last half hour, right? Even as the S&P 500 made new lows, the on-balance volume line has held up surprisingly well. It hasn't gone down that much, and lately it looks like it's found a floor. To Williams, this is what he'd expect to see in the Dow market, where some major money managers have finally just started buying stocks more aggressively, and the sellers are disappearing. All right, now take a gander at this next chart, which is really amazing. This shows the S&P futures versus Williams insider activity indicator, which is in green. Again, while the market's kept going down, selling by insiders has abated. They know more than we do. At the same time, look at the bottom of the chart. This is Williams's, and it's, yes, that is Larry, Commitments of Traders Index, which shows you what professional money managers are doing with their futures positions using data that's gathered from the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Even though the market's down, Williams sees the professionals are buying here, and that often sets up significant rallies. We had a similar moment in February when the S&P was going down, but pros and insiders were both buying, and that set up a nice, uh, very nice bounce. This is not a mirror image, but very similar. Then there's valuation. Williams has his own valuation model for the S&P 500. Remember, he's not just a technician. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because technicians are terrific. But he's an historian. He's a technician. He's an engineer of data. Look at this. It's on the bottom line in blue. It tells you a lot. Right now, his valuation index has reached extreme undervaluation territory. When it gets this low, you often end up with a rebound. Not every time, but quite frequently. So while this is a, obviously a hideous market, when you take a look under the hood and check out some of these important technical metrics, Williams thinks there really are some encouraging signs that are just buried within all the negativity, and the averages are about the bottom. Finally, Larry loves to look at history of the action and spot cycles that he thinks he can use to try to forecast the future. Check this out. This is what I mentioned this morning on Squawk on the Street. When it comes to the SP 500, he says the dominant cycles, for whatever reason, tend to last 75 days before starting all over again. Right now, that cycle says the SP, it's ready to run. Right here. Right here. And if the cycle holds, Williams would expect it to keep running through mid to late June. I'll take it. Has the rebound Williams looking for already started? Maybe that was what the last half hour was about? Take a look at the zoomed-in chart of the S&P futures from May 9 to today. Williams points out that today we had an outside bar where both a higher high than the previous day and a lower low coupled with a down close for the futures. When those occur on Friday, yeah, I know it's a lot to ask for, the market typically rallies. Based on his work, there have been 77 days like this since 2000, since the year 2000. 66 of them kicked off rallies. 85% chance that today was the day where you had to start. Here's the bottom line. I know it's tough to believe anything positive at this moment, but I said the same thing in April of 2020, and that's when Larry Williams made one of the best bottom calls I have ever seen. 
Once again, when we look at people who are historians who know the technicals, who are statisticians, who are also engineers, and this guy's the best, and he says, this is it, you know what? I wouldn't bet against him. I trust his predictions more than I despise this market. And I say that as someone who really does hate the tape. Stay with me. Chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. We're going to go to my step for a little bit. Let us up. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's jump with Brian Matthews. Brian! Hi, Jim. Uh, thank you for all the research you do and uh, helping us protect principal and uh, make money. Uh, um, thank you. Man, I worry about it every minute. I got to tell you, every minute. Let's go to work. Yeah. And, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, shout, shout out to your staff, Nicole. These great, great, great people. And um, Totally. I'm, I'm revisiting um, Accelerate Energy, which you did a segment on back in um, early April. They came no, up. I would say we just went over that. Went over that with Ben Stodel just the other day. We still like it down here at 23. I'm saying. Bye, bye, bye. And we're going to Valerie in Colorado. Valerie. Hey, hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course, Valerie. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How about you today? It's a decent day, actually. Thank you for asking. Decent day. Good, good. Well, I uh, my husband is in your investment club, and we enjoy watching Mad Money every day. Uh, thank Just you love very your much. Show. Doing my best yeah. here. And in February, you had on your program the CEO of Signet, and right. we really liked her and thought her stock would be a good investment before Valentine's Day. And it was, but since then it has declined in value. So our question to you is, well, Valerie, I got to tell buy you, more? I want you to buy more. I think Gina Drozos is the real deal. The stock sells at five times earnings. It's another one of those stocks that's very depressed by the fact that the country seems like it's off the rails because of inflation. Uh, in Gina Drozos, we trust. I think she's great, and I think that stock's a buy. Let's go to Tamer in New York. Tamer. A big booyah to you, Jimmy Chill from Staten Island. Uh, hey, man. Chill's been Thank very you. kind of late. Thank you. Yeah, very Thank kind. You, That's my wife. That's Fosforo talking. What's happening? Thank you for all the hard work that you put in helping small-time investors like myself make money these terrible times. That's the goal. Um, with the Fed raising interest rates, is this a good time to start a position in Bank of America? Absolutely. I miss. I wish it had a higher yield, but this stock has gotten so cheap that it's just kind of... Look, it obviously, it could go to seven, eight times earnings, but that would only... I mean, that, that's default speaking. It doesn't have a lot of defaults. I'm a believer. I want to go to Clayton in Kansas. Clayton. Booyah to you, kind sir. How are right you Right back today? at you. Right back at you. What's up? Good, good. Hey, I'm doing okay. Uh, just trying to make sense of these markets out there. Uh, I got a question with uh, for you, Riot Blockchain, uh, ticker symbol R-I-O-T. And despite what you said in the past about it, just being a proxy for Bitcoin, you know, I agree uh, somewhat. Uh, but I also see a long-term potential with this uh, for bigger companies and organizations in the future integrating uh, blockchain technology to help protect their personal data, sales transactions, etc. cetera. Uh, however, the current sell-off, right been kind of painful painful to watch it go okay, down well, here's how we have to look at this clayton uh, you have your right to, ev- to everything you just said and i think you absolutely should own it as it was your speculative situation but please don't have too many of those that's all i'm asking you can have one i disagree with you but that's two two sides of the story let's go to zachary north carolina zachary 
Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. I'll give you a good old U.S. Army hooah in recognition of Memorial Day coming up. But I wanted to get your opinion on is Zynga uh, stock ticker Zulu November Golf Alpha still a good five? No, it's done. Intent. Zynga got the bid from Strauss Zelnick and take two. We're, we're off to the races here. Take the money and run. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Ahead on Mad Money. Clean up in every aisle. How a trip to the grocery store might change DC's approach to inflation. Next. Sometimes I wonder if the policymakers simply don't go to the supermarket often enough to know what's really going on in this country. It is shocking to see things you used to pay 12 bucks for, like a T-bone, it's now 16. Flank steak, don't even go there. Cereal's gotten really expensive, and it's the grains, the plastic bag, the box, the freight, all driving costs up. Fruit, have you seen it? I got one grapefruit this week for the price of two grapefruits a year ago, and it wasn't even as good. Hey, maybe they haven't been car shopping either. My daughter was in the market for a new car after hers got stolen and totaled. But the cost of a new car seemed insane. She had to trade down to get something she could afford. Used. Do our leaders garden? I'm gardening this weekend, and I dread seeing how much everything's going to cost versus last year. But I wouldn't be surprised if these people in the Fed or in the White House haven't gone shopping for themselves in ages. If the members of the Federal Reserve were regularly going to the supermarket, they know it's time to hold an emergency meeting and put through a 100 basis point rate hike at a minimum. Now, rate hikes won't impact the biggest source of inflation, which is gasoline. We have two problems in this country. Our oil companies aren't pumping enough. And even if they were, we don't have enough refinery capacity to turn that crude into gasoline. The lack of refinery capacity is a real bottleneck. It's something that will probably only be addressed by Congress because of a widespread belief that the refineries are rigged against the consumer. Not the case. It's just that it's very tough to build a new refinery because nobody wants to live next door to one. But even putting aside oil and grains where the inflation is all about the war in Ukraine, 13% of the calories from Ukraine, of the world. The problem is it's already spread throughout the rest of the economy. And the Fed needs to act decisively because they've got to make it stop. See, everyone is getting away with raising prices as a matter of course. As a small business person, I can tell you this cannot stand. In the 24 hours since I first proclaimed that we actually need a 100 basis point rate hike as a starting point, I was shocked to hear so many people who agree with me. Almost everyone who's in touch with the real world recognizes the Fed has to get aggressive. I now believe that our market's been struggling so much, not because of that 10-year Treasury that everyone thought that was so all-empowering, all that was received in importance, or recession fears. It's much more because stocks are what we call long-dated assets, meaning they trade based on the sum of their future earnings prospects. Nothing erodes the value of long-dated assets like inflation. High single-digit inflation means companies need high single-digit earnings growth just to stand still. As for the companies with no earnings, they're worth a heck of a lot less, if anything, because of inflation. Because their whole value proposition is about the distant future, where the purchasing power of a dollar could end up being a lot less than it is now because of inflation. That's why Wall Street turned against the conceptual stocks. A high inflation environment is, makes it so you don't want to own those stocks. They're not even more speculative. But all that can change if Jay Powell says quite simply that he cares more about your pocketbook than your stock portfolio. He needs to make sure that regular people can keep up with inflation. And the Fed only has one tool in its arsenal to make that happen. They can raise interest rates to deliberately slow the economy, 
which will create gluts that will put downward pressure on prices like we're currently seeing in apparel after this week's disasters. But if you're going to deliberately slow down the economy, it's better to get the damage in all at once. Powell's current approach is going to kill inflation with the death of it by a thousand cuts. It's going to take too long and it's going to be way too ingrained when he's finished. So it won't happen. It's not what we want. Until Powell takes control of the situation, I will not recommend a single company that's losing money here on Mad Money. Forget about it. I'm just not going to. Much of what we do is odds-based here. Without a 100 basis point shock to the system, all I'd be doing is putting you in an awkward situation that will likely yield losses. Yes, the stock market will go higher on a 100 basis point hike. Higher. It is better to keep your bat on your shoulder, removing it only for companies that make real things, sell them at a profit with a stock that's reasonably priced, and returns capital to you, the shareholder. We can go abstract when the Fed gets decisive. Until then, caution remains the watchword. I'd like to say there's always Walmart somewhere. I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.